What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Now, I'm going to talk really quickly to get everybody up to speed and save as much time as we can for the topic at hand. My name is Nick James, and today I'm joined again with my good friend and host of his own podcast, The Reasons I'm Broke. Everybody say hello to Daniel. Daniel, say hello to everybody. Hey, everyone. Good to return on the podcast. Podcasting from the beach right now, which is why it sounds a little different than usual, but very grateful to be back on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. Super grateful to have you. Like you said, this is your second time on here now, second of many, I hope. Uh, we've been going to going back and forth between each other, so it's been great to build that friendship and build that bond through the podcasting community. This is your first time listening to Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. The name is exactly what you're going to get today. Buds is for those who are fellow travelers of the green. Bros, we're going to learn a little bit more about each other with the topic at hand in mind. And then Superheroes is the topic at hand. Ba-ba-da! Motherfucking Snyder Cut. Can't believe Dude, we're no... fucking saying that. <laughs> I know, right? There's nobody else who I'd want to talk about this with for the first time. But with you, you've been a main voice for hashtag releasing the Snyder Cut in the movement. We're going to talk about all of that right now on Buds, Bros, and Superheroes. So that's going to take off right now. The first thing, you know, you are not a traveler of the green. If you did not listen to the past episode, it has been established. But I thought that this was still a cool kind of way to get us into the conversation at hand. So, Mr. Daniel, if you could smoke a joint right now with a member of the Justice League and you get full extended universe to whoever you want. And once you're done smoking said joint, you get their superpower for, I don't know, like the rest of the day, let's say. Who would you want to smoke with? I would have to go with Superman. My first answer was Cyborg. And I think at this time of my life, I was like, all right, it'd be kind of cool to just plug into the Internet, learn it all, control it all. But I can kind of do the same with Superman if he has that super speed and kind of super read everything or whatever information I need to. Plus, I'd have the flight, super speed, and vulnerability practically. So I'm going to go with Superman. That's great. Yeah, I looked at this from two different angles. So my first one was going with the Flash, and that's just for getting the superpower. I think, like you said, being faster and being able to do things quickly means you can get so much more done, especially, too, if we're going to talk like full strength flash of like time travel and shit like that. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. But my other side of my brain was thinking like who would be funner, like more fun to smoke with. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny to see Plastic Man? (laughs) <laughs> just be high with him and then afterwards just stretch each other around. Ooh, that sounded filthy. But like, I don't know, just make like silly hand puppets or trip people in the Justice League Watchtower. Just be stupid like that. I was like, eh, that might be worth it as well. Or think of the kind of cons- constructs that a Green Lantern would be able to make with you. So it'd be stuff that you probably haven't seen before. And I'd be curious to see how Will is affected in whatever they come up with. What a great poll. I didn't even think about that. But yeah, you'd just be able to make crazy things. And especially, you know, in this scenario. All right, then let's take this just one step further. You now have chosen a Green Lantern. Which of the Green Lantern Corps do you want to smoke with? I honestly want to go with Kilowog just because I feel like I could. He's like the boot camp guy. And seeing him relaxed and chill. And I really want to learn more about him. I don't know if Sinestro would count since he's a Yellow Lantern, but I feel like I would just be intimidated by the guy. Not because he's a villain, but because he is one of my favorite DC characters. So I would pretty much be fanboying out the whole time. Yeah, I feel like with Kilowog too, he'd also really want to push you to smoke. Like, come on, Poozer. You got to get through that whole bowl. You better clear that chamber. All of a sudden, I really miss Michael Clark Duncan. Rest in peace, man. Yeah. What a perfect voice for that. 
he was great. And there's a lot of good things uh, from that movie, including Kilowog. They really nailed it. Agreed. I think I'd want to smoke like John Stewart's pretty obvious and I like his building technique. He builds everything from the inside out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like learning from him would also be fun, but I'd also want to see if I get along with Guy Gardner. Oh, the artist. Cause he's kind of a, no, 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 I'm thinking of a Kyle Rayner. I'm sorry. No, no, you're good. Cause I feel like everybody gives him a bad rap, but at the same time, like I kind of like razzing with people and pushing buttons. So I feel like maybe we'd get along. That's the funny thing about Gardner is he's the kind of green lantern that also would push buttons back. He gets along with characters that are willing to match his level of, all right, well, we're going to get into a fight. He's that kind of friend where you're going to fight each other. You're going to beat each other up. And at the end, you're going to be closer than ever. Yeah. Imagine a smoke session with him and Lobo. Oh, forget about it, man. They're going to be the best of friends (laughs) after that. (laughs) That would be a good fucking time. But yeah, to cement my answer for the whole thing in, I think at the very end of the day, superpower wise, I've always wanted to be super speedy because in life I am not. My mouth is very quick. I can talk very fast, but that's about as fast as I go. You know, like if you see me running, understand something's chasing me. There's no running for fun. It's 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 trying to survive and shit. I'd probably be the one in last almost all the time. So, yeah, definitely super speed. Would you risk any of the multiverse stuff or have you kind of learned from Barry's lesson in Flashpoint? I, uh, oh, shit, dude. I don't, yeah. Between that and Ashton Kutcher and Butterfly Effect, that movie fucked me up, too, when I was a kid. <laughs> and I saw that. But no, I, I think I would keep, you know, in Spirit of the Snyderverse, he says, and I have this rule and it's don't fuck with going above the speed of light. And I think I, too, would try always to keep that rule in check of, no, I don't want to. I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Now then, who would Flash? I think I would go with Wally. Hmm, maybe Wally West, Barry Allen. What do you think? Do you have a favorite Flash? Mine is, it's kind of gone up and down between Wally West and Barry because I grew up on the Justice League animated series cartoon where it was Wally West. But reading the comic books, Flashpoint, uh, all the stuff that Jeff Johns put together, and even through the New 52, they put this effort to really bring back Barry and set him up so that he could really be a, a future part of the DC Universe. They keep making Wally into a villain, so for whatever reason, they don't like Wally right now. So I kind of go back and forth, uh, right? comic-wise and in general. I'm going to go with Barry. How about you? I like Young Justice a lot. I've been binging that. So I've been seeing a lot more Bart Allen and Impulse. So I might go with that. I don't know. Not a bad choice either. I don't think there are any bad flashes. No, no. There is a dirty joke to make in there, but I couldn't put it together quick (laughs) enough. Sorry. I was trying. I was going through it in my head. and I was like, fuck it. No, just call yourself on your own bluff. You're stupid. You couldn't (laughs) think of it fast enough. The Flash could, though. Yes, he could. That's actually a really good segue in what I want to talk about the bros. So this is a very condensed bud section. If you have an answer out there in the podcast world, who would you smoke with? What powers would you want? Of course, leave a comment. You could tweet. There's things all over the internet. So you know how to interact with what you're hearing. Please do so. But we are going to close that book and open up the bros section. And you mentioned it pretty perfectly of what I wanted to talk about in terms of how long I've been rolling with the Justice League. And my first interaction is uh, that animated show and what you just talked about. What, what about you? How long have you been rolling with the crew, if you will? It definitely is the animated series as well. I saw the comic books and they always kind of intimidated me as a kid because I did not under I did not know any of the characters really. There was an Aquaman with a hook hand and 
Like I understood Batman, I knew Superman, but even Wonder Woman I didn't know a ton about. But the cartoon really made it easy because it's the same Batman from Batman the Animated Series. That was my hook into that, the expansion of the Timverse. So I was in with the cartoon. That was definitely my earliest. I couldn't have put it any better in terms of like watching the animated series and then just going, it's the same Batman. Here we go. You know, Kevin Conroy being the voice and whether or not I knew that name off the top of my head like I do now, you can hear it. There is only one Kevin Conroy and there is only one way that he does that voice. So I do remember him stepping in and being like, all right, that's Batman. Like you said, I'm, I'm in this universe and let's learn some stuff. And on top of that, it's still Bruce Tim and Alan Burnett that were heading that show. Paul Dini would come in every now and again to write an episode or two, but they would put Batman at the forefront of being the coolest character because they are such big Batman fans to the point where even Superman fans today still kind of get upset at that show because of how amazing they make Batman and how Superman took a backseat to Batman as the leader or the main guy in the Justice League. He fucking dodges Omega Beams from Darkseid at one point. And even I remember one of my friends, we were uh, co-workers at Disney, and he was telling me all about it. Huge Superman fan. And he's like, that's such bullshit. I'm like, no, it's not. It's Batman. And he would hate that. He would hate that logic of you can't just say it's Batman. I'm like, yeah, I can. <laughs> he does it all the time. It's right there on the show. You can watch it. I could. Yeah, again, could not agree with you more. The thing with me with Superman, and I don't remember if it's a DVD extra just on the YouTube or something. And he's such a hard guy to play with when it comes to playing all together because how strong do you make him you know if you make him as strong as he is on his own then it's like why the fuck is everybody else here if you make him too big of a bitch all of a sudden you're like wait what is his power limit because i do remember at one point i think it's a dead shot tried to kill somebody and then he goes escaping into the sewer Ooh, that was a hard little tongue twister he goes escaping into the sewer and he leaves like an electricity bomb or some shit i don't know how to call it but superman picks it up and electrocutes him to the point of him passing out and you're what? like wait come on yeah, Come that's on. what I actually liked about the that iteration of Superman is he was able to get hurt by anyone. It didn't have to be kryptonite or magic. It was at one point Wonder Woman is fighting him thinking that she is that he is another character and he's trying not to hurt her. But by the end of it, she comes to and he's all beat up and and nearly dying. So I always thought that was neat that if you're just strong enough, you can hurt him. It doesn't mean that he's impenetrable to all strength. If you're if you can match him in power you can hurt the guy. And yeah, they did make it pretty plain that he does hold back and sometimes that that's at his sacrifice and he's okay with that. When he fights Darkseid, I think in season in the final season of the show, final episode, he tells him, normally I hold back because everything is so fragile, but you can take it. And that's when one punch and all these buildings disintegrate. It's not an issue in the cartoon when you destroy a city. It is in the movies apparently, but in that cartoon, just everything was destroyed. <laughs> And you can really see the power of Superman. You, sir, are a fucking poet. You know, I really got to tell it to you because as you like, that was a brilliant way to put it. He holds back sometimes to his own sacrifice. Jeez, that is the best way to put it. And that automatically everything that I was thinking, I'm just like, word, no, Daniel has now officially flipped me. It makes sense that, yeah, no, I didn't see it coming. I didn't expect it. I have to hold back. And boom, that's a, that was a great point. Damn. And Darkseid takes it. He just goes flying around, <laughs> flying backwards and still intact, not knocked out. He gets defeated, but he can take a super powered, all strength Superman punch, which is amazing. Like, that's the kind of power also that I want to see from Darkseid and Superman on the big screen one day. 
I remember now the scene in what you're talking about where he's like, oh, you could fucking take it. And you're right. He does end up smashing him around pretty great. It would be good to see on the big screen, maybe, hopefully soon, one day. It, that would be a triumph to see as well. We got to fight for it. We got to restore it. <laughs> now, those who have been listening for a while, as you hear me close the bros section, you're like, Jesus Christ, Nick, what the fuck is going on? This is a high speed train into Enville. No, we just have a lot of fucking Snyder cut to talk about. So I don't mean to shorten everything just to really prop this up, but it fucking deserves it. It is four hours long. This is an hour, maybe a 75 minute show. Do the fucking math, people. With that, we are going to close the bro section. Did you like the Justice League animated show growing up? Leave a comment down below. Again, I just said it before, and usually the sections are longer, so it doesn't sound so begging. But leave a tweet, a follow, a like, all those personal things. We are going to close that, and we're going to open right on up into the superhero section because we got to talk about this Snyder Cut. It is masterful. March 18th will now forever be a holiday to me. What about you? It is Snyder Cut Day. It is going to be an anniversary where we... If we still don't get Restore the Snyderverse on March 18th of 2022, that's going to be a day where we're going to make it trend again. It's going to be a day where Warner Brothers, AT&T, anything they try to promote that week is going to be flooded as it is right now with fuck you, Restore the Snyderverse. There's that ongoing joke that Zach was saying where people were like, fuck Elmo, release the Snyder Cut, and they literally could not promote a thing. It is an important date for all of us. It's a day that we got to see a movie that they told us three years ago didn't even exist, that they told us a year ago, yeah, it exists, but you're never going to get it. And now they're telling us, okay, you got it, but you're never going to get sequels. Beautifully stated. That was, yes. How can anybody out there listen to that logic and really be like, no, I think they're done now. They're definitely not going <laughs> to do it again. <laughs> Money to be made. But there always is. It? It, it, it's it's weird though because Warner Brothers is apparently not in the business of making money with putting out these variety articles like the one that Ann Sarnoff just put up of yeah there's no plans for it we're glad he got to do the trilogy and we're sitting back like how how often do we have to prove to you that we want to give you this money and you keep saying no it's unbelievable I've never seen that from a company. And if you double down on HBO Max right now and watch a shit ton of Entourage, I'm not going to say it's a, a clear crystal view window into the biz, but it does give you some back shit of what you don't think about. No matter what you watch on that show, the end of the day, everybody's trying to make money. So whether or not it's a crystal clear or even just a small little eye socket into what that world is, like everybody wants to make money and every Snyderverse cut person wants to give the money to see restore the Snyderverse. So, you know, there's going to be a point where A has to lead to Z. It's win-win and it's up to them to, it's going to be AT&T that comes down just like they did with the Snyder cut and goes, why aren't we making this? There's money to be made. Yeah, here's 70 million. Go make it. And they're going to do the same. Even the Warner Brothers is like, well, we don't want to make any sequels. AT&T is like, yeah, okay, well, we're going to make you make sequels. So here's uh, 400 million or whatever is needed. He'll, I'm, I'm assuming he'd film them back to back as he planned, uh, which will be easier for production. And then from there, you can split it and release the th two theatrical ones. Because I'm sure if we get the Justice League 2 and 3, it'll be probably five years before we see part two. That's smart as well. Yeah, why not shoot them back to back and then do that? Oh. Fucking brilliant. I think it was you who tweeted or maybe I saw it on the Instagram, one of the others of her. I, I You said the name. What was her name? Who was putting out all this shit? Who was like, I'm not going to do that. Ann Sarnoff, the head of Warner Media. 
wherever she is on the bracket, like she's got a fucking boss. So for her to be saying anything with certainty is kind of wackadoo. And then even her boss has a boss, like we were talking about with AT&T. So for even that person to be saying anything with certainty is kind of wackadoo until you get to the head of AT&T going like, guys, come on, like I can make all the decisions. And if I fucking say it, you shall do. I pull, I say, jump, go get your goddamn trampoline. It's going to be Jason Kyler. Uh, He's above Ann Sarnoff. He's the one who was very pleased with how the Snyder Cut performed and is performing, and he's happy with the movie. So I think we're on the positive end of this thing. Performing like a motherfucker. As we speak, it is seven days old. When listeners listen, it'll be tomorrow, so eight days old. If you want to check my math on that, please do. Um, Sorry, I just watched The Social Network, and I feel very snarky. Um, Let's talk about the movie in general. Let's get really right into it, because as I said, you know, we're already into this and time is a wasting it's a very long movie it's a four-hour fucking movie how did you feel about that coming out as a movie rather than the sixth part in which i thought it was or just feelings on that i know zach was at first he said it was going to be a four-part or six-part which to me made sense from an a subscription standpoint if you drop this mid-month you force people to subscribe to at least two months if they don't want to wait until the six parts are out and then subscribe to hbo max but Zach has since then said that he, his intention was always to release it as one movie. So our thing is whatever Zach is happy with, we'll be happy with. We want him th- – This that's the whole point of this thing is for Zach to get his vision, for the actors to be recognized, to be paid, for people to be held accountable for what happened during the filming of Justice League. And at the end of the day, it's what whatever Zach and the crew are happy with. And then – I'm not going to complain about that part of it, especially if we're getting it and I can watch it in, let's say it had released in six parts. I guarantee you there would have been another version of here's all six parts put together. Here's the film version. If you don't want that, you can watch the parts version. If we had that option, you have no room. I have no room to complain. At least I would not carry the way because whatever preference I want and I can do that now with the different parts, it's all cut up into different slides. I can watch it in episode format. I can watch the whole thing as I did and and how many people are doing it as a film. So I was just happy to get it in any way possible. (laughs) How about you? It's funny that you say that because some haters are out there like, this is why it should have been cut up in the sixth parts. It's like, you're an adult. Look at the timeline. They put the little slots there for you. If you Mm -hmm. feel that you need to watch this in six parts, watch a part, then turn it the fuck off and come back when you would have watched. Like, you're an adult. You could do whatever you want. (laughs) So they didn't have to put that out, but agreed. If that's how it came, I still would have been happy with whatever he wanted to do. Because like you're talking about, it was really all down to you got the reins, brother. It's all you. Do what you want. This this has your names on it. It's going to come back to you like put everything out on the line. And that's what he did. And it's also the format of he didn't have to cut it down to two hours or three hours so that they can fit more tickets into the box office. HBO said, here's your 70 million. You don't get the year like you asked for. You get six months instead, but finish it however you want. And I know Warner Brothers told Zach, no additional photography. Don't do that. He went and did it anyway. And HBO Max, AT&T, they didn't care. (laughs) They didn't tell him anything. They just wanted him to to do it without any restrictions and Zach's non-restrictions are, well, I want to include all of these scenes in. Not everything is in there. As if you watch the original trailer, there's a couple of missing things, but that was also the compromised version. That's the version that had the, I hear you talk to fish, which clearly Zach did not want in the film, did not include it in the final product. So uh, that's, that's kind of where I stand on the, on the length of it because that's what Zach wants. Again, it all comes down to that. 
with that, we can kind of start the review walkthrough kind of thing. And I want to put out there that I'm not going to personally try to shit on Justice League. That's for a whole different episode where mm. I'll do that. You know, I'm going to take a book right out of Mr. Kevin Smith's page where he says, I don't have to put this one down to raise the other. This one stands so tall on its very own. But there are going to be times where the comparison is going to have to happen. So don't look at this as a personal attack on Joss's League as bad. Mm, see, I already started. As, as for what <laughs> it is, it is. So let's talk about this one. And the first thing I wanted to bring up all together before we even get into the prologue of the chapters is the composer difference. Because that kind of sets an entire mood for this entire thing where Junkie XL, he had a real name. I couldn't find it. But he did the one. He's done everything since then. But Danny Elfman was brought in to do the other. And there were very noticeable differences in that. Junkies makes it seem like this giant epic, and he does it successfully because that's what it feels like. Whereas Danny Elfman, it it's it's a studio piece. It's a mandate. It suits telling him make it sound like the old stuff that people liked. Make it sound like your animated or your original Batman from the Burton verse. Make it sound like the Avengers. Make it like make it sound like the MCU. So you can clearly see the two differences here in that Junkie wanted to make this feel much bigger and it, because it is it's setting up this future and these two other movies whereas justice league wasn't too concerned with that they were more concerned with let's get it under two hours get it out before quarter four ends so that the execs can get their bonuses for sure uh you definitely see that in the superman fight scenes like you said there's a time where you literally hear bah, 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 bah. i'm like kind of mixed on that because i'd rather just do their own thing, which this definitely is, which Junkie definitely brought to it. And I I very much, I like that this tone is what it is, but we'll go through that now as everything else. That was the only underlying over theme that I wanted to keep in mind as I watched this, that like, this is a totally different sound. And that means a lot in movies. Plus Junkie's score fits with what they set up in Man of Steel, fits with BVS. You hear the Man of Steel theme, they're in second flight. And it's just a more complete product for if you've been along in the journey. And it, it is jarring when you're watching Justice League and you're hearing themes from different movies, from different creators in this. It's it's kind of like what is what business do these uh, compose th this music have in this other than nostalgia? That's really it. And that's only going to play there in the first viewing when you're watching that, even if you enjoy Justice League. I don't think that the third viewing goes, oh, yeah, that's great that they kept on the original Batman theme because that makes this more enjoyable. Whereas you're consuming junkies at, during each part for each hero, the history lesson build up, you hear a little bit of that theme. And then towards the end, when they're all teamed up, you get that amazing score of the whole team that's that was that is still stuck in my head. And I, I've seen I've only seen the movie twice, but it's so iconic now. It does sit there along with the Elfmans, with the animated series, with uh, the MCU. I'm sure there's, I guess the Avengers theme is the main one right now. And all of those, it's now a part of that. It's that iconic. Fucking A. So the movie starts with the prologue, and basically it's almost like a little wrap-up of BVS and Superman dying, where we really set the scene for this movie being different right off the fucking bat. With Batman, huh? Um, right off the bat of... Superman dying and letting out this whale. And it is that whale that opens the mother boxes. And that's what will then start, you know, why Steppenwolf, why Darkseid, why all these eyes start looking at Earth. And that I thought was 
pretty fucking perfect because you get to see all of them. You see Cyborg right off the bat. You see them where they're hanging out in Atlantis. You're introduced to Themyscira right away. Like, boom, we're going to start this shit with Superman dying. It was a smart way to do it because as you see the wave go out through the earth, it unfolds this story that you're about to be presented with. And it's a nice way to do it because not everyone is familiar with Cyborg or The Flash or maybe someone didn't watch the Wonder Woman film and don't know who the Amazons are. But it's touching on everywhere in a smart way with that sound wave. And being who Zack is, if you go back and watch BBS and you see that scream and that moment of death, you can see the waves even back then. So he was setting this shit up years ago. That is a detail I will have to go back and look for, to be honest. I did not go back and look at that. My one criticism with the prologue that I will have is uh, I, I did like seeing the different angles of that death scene from BVS. But for Lex's, when he's standing in the Kryptonian ship, it's very apparent that he's not in any liquid, that it's kind of like a green screen effect. And I don't know if that was a reshoot or if they reused footage that was never put up in BVS. And I had just seen BBS recently, and you can see that he's actually standing, the actor is actually standing in liquid. But here it's kind of transparent, it's a little bizarre. And I don't know if that's just a byproduct of 70 million as opposed to 100 or 200 million to finish it up. But that was my one thing that took me out of it. And that's going to be the theme as I talk about this movie is the effects were a little bit under, but he also had six months and 70 million to work with. Agreed. There are some times where I personally see through it as well, mostly on Steppenwolf. There's a few times where you could see the shadowies, like the shadow that they wanted to put on him isn't 100% in there. So it's more of a purple effect. That's where I noticed it the most. I did not notice what you're talking about, but I will go back and give that a second look. You know, personally, I'm not a huge Eisenberg as Lex fan. So when that happened, I was probably just sitting there like, meh, and not wanting to give a shit anyway. But that's just me personally. We get into chapter one, Don't Count on It, Batman. And the biggest thing that I loved about it, and maybe this is where I'll try to stop, because I promise I'm trying not to shit on it so hard. But the opening scene of Justice League with Superman getting interviewed by kids for a podcast, didn't care for that. The Batman already knowing that parademons were here and there's the robber, didn't super care for that. Like Some of it I didn't mind. You know, some people have issue with it. There's some elements that they call out and I'm like, nah, I've seen that in comics. That's neither here or there. I don't love it. And what I super really fucking hate is the opening title sequence of the Justice League. The the song that they chose haunts me to this day where I can't watch it. I have to fast forward. But even now, just thinking about it, it'll be stuck in my head for the rest of the day. It was a really bizarre opening and it's good to know that none of that seemed to have been done by Zach. Looks like those were all part of the reshoots, or if it was, it's a portion that Zach was compromising and, and chose not to use in this one. But this one, it, it takes off running. Every single title card sequence, every part of it has an action bit, which I think helps this pace along. And the way that it did open, and uh, I, I think to me, is more exciting than what they tried to do in the 2017 version. Yeah. I'm again, I'm so sorry to repeat myself and struggling not to shit on this guy, but it kind of seems like he was like, if I film a bunch of oranges in slow-mo, people won't know the difference <laughs> between me and Zack Snyder. And it's like, no, 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 no. And then again, I, I hate to even give it life, but it's, it's, it's in there that fucking everybody knows. Oh Jesus hit me with a bat. Like literally with a bat because I can't stand it. It's just so weird. It's so weird. 
I think his rooftop scene too with Batman, I know some people were saying that they liked that scene. Uh, they were like, that's really Batman. But it only exists really for to set up that fear thing, that plot point that they had of they're attracted to fear and this is how you lure out the parademons, which is how we figure out a way to not sever Steppenwolf. Did we do a spoiler warning yet? But but if you haven't seen it, that's your warning there. But how we don't need to sever Steppenwolf's head. He gets taken by fear. And uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't. And you can tell, too, when you're watching the old one, how it almost looks like cosplay when he's looking at his gauntlet and hitting the things. And he's talking to Alfred two feet away from the other guy. And, yeah, I, I want to forget about that film as much as possible. The It does open more with this Bruce Wayne, this Batman. You get more footage of that mountain scene. As he's going to see Aquaman, I don't know. I don't can't remember if this was new dialogue or not. But the guy inside that that house or that bar, whatever it was, says, "No, it's impossible to climb that mountain. There's no way he did." That's another like, well, it's Batman. <laughs> it's peak human perfection. No, that was definitely added in for sure. There was there was something of a line in the other one of I think is either said again or said differently of like, "There's icebergs, no ships can get through." But you're right, this old guy got to, like, wait, there's no choppers going. How'd he get here? And he said he climbed it. That's impossible. It's like, yeah, fuck you. It's Batman. Of course he did. <laughs> really liked that this scene was different. You could tell exactly what was changed. And in my opinion, I'm looking at it going, why? Did we really need to fucking put that fish joke in here? You and talked to fish. Was, yeah. Right. It was filmed by Zach, and I'm glad it wasn't put in. It was more serious. It was straightforward. He's talking about how he Aquaman does save that village by bringing in that cargo that doesn't make it over from the ship. So they hold him in high regard. And I think that's where that's why I've been seeing a lot of this discussion on Twitter over the singing women on there is Zach, when he sets up the DC characters and the Justice League, he sets them up as mod, as gods, not as superheroes. And that's why they're all looked at. And when we get to Cyborg, I'll, I'll touch on that a little bit more. But this is a clear indication of these characters are higher than superheroes. These are modern, the new gods, the modern gods. And that's why I think while they probably shouldn't worship Aquaman in the way that they do, they do. This is a small village, and this is when he comes in, and he's taking care of them, and he's he might be keeping them alive. We don't know that full story, but that's what I pulled from the singing women and, and the villagers and how protective they were of Aquaman's identity. Fucking A. Yeah, no, I, I could, again, wow, we're on really the same page of this, of, you know, there's there's religions all over the world where they sing songs about the person. So it it makes sense that this is this messianic kind of guy. Like, he, he can breathe underwater, for fuck's sake. What would you do if a guy literally came out of the ocean just fine with, like you said, either the supplies or even hauling the ship or coming with the fish, whatever the fuck it is, this guy is the closest thing to God that these people see. So it is not that far of a stretch in Snyder's world of trying to figure out how we people basically run around ants would figure out that these gods are here and yeah we would make songs and when they left we would weep and there would be songs to sing and of course i'm gonna snip this man's shirt i don't care how fishy it smells like a god <laughs> fucking wore this and you saw a lot of that worship even in bvs with superman when he's saving when he goes to mexico and he saves a girl from the burning building and everyone's worshiping him they're talking on the news about how he is a, a messianic figure so everyone that this anyone that displays these powers is going to be treated as such. And we're we see some of that in this cut of the movie. That's such a beautiful shot from BVS. And it's all how do you say De Los Muertos? 
Dia de los Muertos, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I knew when somebody on this line could say it so beautifully, I wasn't going to try to butcher it anymore. <laughs> Speaking of which, can you just do me a favor? Say Guillermo del Toro for me. Guillermo del Toro. Thank you. I don't. Re- I think it was the last time we were talking, and we did bring up something of the effect, and I was like, "Fuck!" I didn't get him to say it. That was just a weird <laughs> tangent. Sorry about that. So, still in this chapter one is called "Don't Count on It, Batman." I don't know if we said that out loud or not. We did get the better opening, if you ask me, a longer Aquaman scene, and we got a longer Wonder Woman scene. The initiative of the bankers or the blow uppers, if you will, of the uh, terrorists was still the same. They were just going to blow this shit up just to blow it up. And she comes in and really fucks shit up a little bit harder in this. And in my head, the thing that's standing out the most that I want to talk to you about is she fucking throws a guy and like bounces his head off a wall. And he's he's definitely that guy's dead. How do you feel about Wonder Woman just bouncing his head off that wall? We did see her killing in the Wonder Woman solo film, but there wasn't blood. So I guess people were like, oh, they're just knocked out. But this is an R-rated film, so he's allowed to use blood. And uh, that's Wonder Woman. That's the Wonder Woman that they've set up here. Uh, They obviously want to go in a different direction with Wonder Woman 1984, but I don't consider that as continuity anymore. This is the direct sequel to BVS. It's in that same world as Wonder Woman. So to me... I'm like, that's that's the same Wonder Woman still. Now we're seeing blood when she kills because this isn't a PG-13 film. My argument as well is for all the people crying for the pe- for the I, I keep on calling them bank robbers. They didn't really want to rob the bank for the terrorists is that they all kind of went in there thinking they were going to die anyway. Mm-hmm. So she kind of did that guy a favor. Yeah. And they were going to. There's also that scene in Wonder Woman where she goes through that that uh, she says shield and they throw her up and she blows up on the guy, the sniper, clearly another death right there, but it's off screen. So it's okay. Maybe he's not dead. Maybe he's knocked out. It's just funny that this is a criticism from certain people too. And these are people that were going to take down the banking center of uh, some part of Europe, which they mentioned in there is going to throw off the whole world economy by taking out all those blocks. So uh, it really was more than let's take out this bank. They were going to affect the world economy with this. Basically, Tyler Durden, that motherfucker. Is that who? Who is that? Fight Club. Okay, gotcha. No, it's been years since I've seen it. Yeah, the uh, very end, right? Yeah, yeah, like that one. Um, I didn't mind it. I didn't really think that it was that bad. Like we said, she killed. I think the distinction comes because the guy that she then gauntlets after that, the main guy who was really trying to fuck up the kids and shoot everybody, definitely gets exploded to fuck too. And they don't mind that death as much as like her just ping ponging this head. Because she could have just stopped and dropped him. Because if you remember, this is the guy who got hit twice. This is the big thing on the internet I've been seeing is, you know, the first hit was definitely needed. The second one was then just for fun. And I was like, all right, so <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Maybe I'd have to break down that scene again and really check it out. Uh, she, it, it's as, but that's the actual Wonder Woman too. of, if you're going to threaten peace, she's going to bring the wrath on you. And she's going to put that to an end, including yourself. And I also like Zach's vision of her with the gauntlets. Like, this is the first time that we've seen machine guns in quote unquote real time of how they'd be fired and her going like many multiples at one time fast. And that that was fucking cool. Yeah, I'm glad that was a part of uh, his cut of the film, because I, I admit that was a cool scene in the original. And then finally, the end chapter one, we get to see Steppenwolf in like, this is really the hardest time I'm going to have not shitting on the other guy because fuck, this guy looks so much better. He is amazing in in the way that they have the armor, kind of like a living armor, almost like a symbiote with Venom. But it's it also gives you this medieval look and feel to the character. He is try, Zach is trying to make 
uh, what's it called Excalibur so badly with these new guy with the old gods and with uh, the apocalyptic characters and he is clearly the knight just running around wrecking throwing horses <laughs> and it's incredible how much cooler a, a the different lines and the looks can go so far in this he is a memorable villain he's up there with Zod and and with if you want to count Batman as the villain of BVS for a portion of it He's up there as one of those standalone villains. Like, I I know we're not going to see more Steppenwolf, but I'm like, man, if we had gotten more Steppenwolf, I would have been absolutely happy. They established him so well in this. He's an alien being that does not care about morality, just wants to get the mother boxes. And the introduction to this against the Amazons comes at a great cost to them. There's a lot, there's a loss of life every single time he goes in to collect them. And it's just, yeah, it's bigger It's bigger and better of a fight scene. Throwing horses is definitely <laughs> the thing you remember because he is throwing horses. But to kind of segue into chapter two a little bit, but also keeps talking about Steppenwolf, is eventually we do get a Steppenwolf speaking to the side through a metal slab that's melting. It's their version of a cell phone or some shit like that. And when you're talking about character building, especially the CGI on him and what the actor brought as well, when he's talking to Desani, he's like, listen, dude, like if I get this one, can you please just get me home? Like, I just please, you know, I, I saw what I did wrong. I fucked up all the people who I cohorted with. Like, I did wrong. Please let me come home. And Desaad's just like, Mm-mm, you're fucked, dude. You need like 50,000 other worlds. And <laughs> again, just to look at despair on this guy's face. It, in my opinion, as humble as it is, it is my favorite DC villain. This guy, I felt why he was doing everything he was doing. And yeah, that just that dude, just let me come home. I, I, I felt that. I, I really, really loved that scene. They were able to emote so much with a CG character. You can see his eyes darting back and forth nervously, watering up at one point, the despair of, I want to go home. You see him swallowing when he's talking to the sod. He is not on the winning side of this thing. All of those little things make him so relatable to me, at least, uh, of like, I want to see him go back home. Like part of me wants to see him impress Darkseid and get his mother boxes. And the other side of me is also like, fuck you, Desaad, you piece of shit. Like just 50,000 more worlds. I'm like, oh, come on. He's clearly sorry. Look at him. <laughs> Take some pity on him. I Yes, yes, yes. I cannot agree anymore. I don't know how many times I'm going to say this in this podcast. If you're a drinker, start taking shots because I'm sure that you're just going to be fucked by the end of this. But like <laughs> you said, there was a point I'm watching him do this and I'm like, oh, just let him win. Just let him go home. Fuck the earth. Like, we're not doing much with it anyway. Just let him have it. Like, look at this poor, sad, sack, beaten down. Fuck. He just wants to go home. Good call, man. They gave us a character to hate and it wasn't Steppenwolf. It was the sod. He really was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. Nothing redeeming about that guy. To continue with how great the CGI was, in this chapter two, The Age of Heroes, we get a much... Again, the only thing we keep saying about the two without trying to put that other one down is it's just bigger. There is more to it because the guy had four fucking hours and he just put so much more thought into it. So we get the Age of Heroes story just beautifully and we get dark side and we're talking cgi man how beautiful did he look when he jumped down and his hand grabbed that bit of earth and you saw his oh fucking evil face and shit like really good it was straight out of the fucking comics people that that stay by comic accuracy they were trying to find ways to like well this i don't know he doesn't have his armor on and it's like that is literally dark side brought to life 
from Kirby's world. It is right there in front of you. And that history lesson was absolutely incredible. That's where I was talking about where you get that first sound of the the Justice League theme song. You get a little bit of that when the heroes of the earth, of that history, come together and are able to fight off, not Darkseid, but Ooxes at that point. He doesn't have a portion of the anti-life equation. He is baby Darkseid. And that entire sequence, they were, I thought they were exaggerating when they're like, no, that's 20 minutes. And I'm like, no, come on. It can't be 20 minutes of the history lesson. It was like two minutes in the theatrical. But you look at it and you're like, holy shit, this really is like 20 minutes. But I still want to see more of that world. I want to see that movie. God damn right. I want to see that movie. I want to I, I definitely enjoyed the lore of Atlanteans before they sunk to the sea. It's like, oh, I don't remember hearing that up till yet. Like they weren't always under the water. Like what the fuck's going on there? That I very much would have liked to see. The Themyscira, I guess maybe I'm forgetting a little bit of Wonder Woman, but she says something about like, oh yeah, the Amazons before they were disgraced. And at that, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to double back. Uh, and then, yeah, just watching gods just walking around like, hey, it's Zeus. Look how big and muscular he is. It was a different Zeus too than what they had in the Wonder Woman film of like, look at his little robe barely covering him. But this was like a built guy that they had out there slinging thunderbolts it was still david thewlis's face on aries so that matched with the wonder woman film the modern or i guess they weren't modern at that point but the the themiscaring gods were incredible to see and we got more footage of them as well as the green lanterns it was really really intense when we saw the green lantern i was happy with what we got theatrically but we got a little bit more here of just teaming up and being together. Like you said, to watch all these people. David Thewis, I didn't see that coming in terms of like, I knew he was there, but to show his face, I figured they just really put him in the background. But that motherfucker was really the guy who chopped the shit out of, what did you say Darkseid's name was for his Darkseid? I, I can spell it. I don't think I can pronounce it. So yeah, he fucking chops him up. The blood gushing out of there. I was like, yeah, this is fucking awesome. But eventually... Just like the theatrical, it is led to believe that, like, yeah, he fucks off. They did defeat him. And that coming together, I could not agree more, like you said. And let's get that as a movie. We know how it ends, but fuck it. Like, we knew how Rogue One ended. It still didn't make it awesome. How'd you feel about the the fact that the Green Lantern went down almost the same as in this one, but at Darkseid's hands as opposed to Steppenwolf's? Much better. Much better. Because as we see, definitely at the end of this version, Steppenwolf... To be powerful enough just to straight out murder a Green Lantern with no effort, like that's pretty high on the list of badassery that I'm happy in this was reserved for Darkseid. I did I did like that Darkseid Ooxes was like reaching out for that ring, and I'm like, oh shit, what if he fucking like I know it, it, in in comic book terms he wouldn't just be able to wear it, but it was just a little scary to see that reach out of like, let me grab that ring because he knows what that is. It did stop for him, too. It did almost allow him to, in my opinion, if he wasn't hit with a fucking thunderbolt of some sort, it would have allowed him to start the process or do well, like you said in the comics. I know it's a little bit more than just like, eh, let me pull this motherfucker on. But it did seem like it was just like, hey, you're pretty strong. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I, I got to see that again, too, because I know it does hover around dark side, but I didn't know that it was. Like it might have even been considering him. That's how it played to me. I'm a fucking idiot, so I could be wrong, but it looked as if it was going to start there for a second. And if it wasn't for a Thunderbolt that kind of threw him off the, the flow of what he was doing, that it could have maybe been like, all right, you can touch me. We'll see. <laughs> let's, let's play around and see what happens. <laughs> the ring doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fucking funny. It's open. It's, it's up for anything. Just wants will. Strong will. And, and Uxus has that. 
Hey, yep, fucking A. Next up is chapter three, Beloved Mother, Beloved Sons. Uh, the, it starts with the flash scene, and this is something that I was devastated when I didn't see theatrically. We kind of got the tease of him touching the glass and it bursting all around him. That's how fast he was in trailers before any of the tragedy started and any of the stepping away was thought of. Like I was, I was quote-unquote promised this scene, and theatrically it didn't happen in this cut. It is my scene, you know, as aforementioned in my earlier answer of who I'd smoke with, like the Flash, not only for the power, but just the Flash is cool. I like the Flash. I want to see more of it. And this delivered. It also sets up his logic of if you're going that fast, you can't just pick up someone and take them somewhere else. That would literally rip their skin to shreds. And you see that with the shoes. You see that with the concrete when he stops, how careful he is when he moves Iris. Uh, it, I, that's, I think that was the point of also that scene. Yeah, we're getting some introductions of what we're going to get in that, what we were going to get in that Flash solo film, but also explains why he can't simply move these characters out of the way. As soon as he touches someone without being careful, he launches them like he does that parademon. Yeah, really. That's a great point with the shoes, dude. What a great fucking shot that was. I I love that so much. I We talked about the glass breaking, and I knew that was going to happen. I didn't see the, him bursting out of his shoes. I should have, because when you look at the shot after he's done saving her, he doesn't have them. I just figured he ran out of them or left them behind. But no, he literally disintegrated them, moving as fast as he could. A lot of this movie, it's even come out, there's a statistic, I think it's 10%, blah, 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 is in slow motion. And I think that's supposed to be a jab at Zack Snyder. I think it's all beautiful, but it's best done with The Flash, considering his power. And I would love to see what he could do with an entire movie with The Flash, to be honest. Yeah, I had a subscriber, one of the regulars at the shop, and they were mentioning, like, there was a lot of slow motion in this. And I'm like, yeah, it's a Zack Snyder film. Like, that's his, he has a certain style. He does have a thing in which he wants to follow. If you go back and look at any of them, slow-mo is always a big part of it. And then especially moving with the Flash. Or, you know, if you look at other brands, Quicksilver, wherever it is, slow-mo is going to have to happen with a fast-moving character. So it's it's a marriage made in heaven for this scene, if you ask me. It's one of the only points where the slow-moving music really accompanies it. You know, the soundtrack is... A little bit slower than what it would have been. We've already kind of touched on that for the score, or for the the sake of how big it is. But with this one, I just, I really loved it. You can show anybody this scene and be like, this is fucking what? This is what I waited for. This, right now. And it's got that comedy that people want out of all these movies. It's got that lightness. Which, again, fucking threw me because we've had the haha, I'm a snack hole. So I figured it was going to go for that when it 180s me. And it's like, no, no, no. So I can get this job. I had fucking forgotten about the job because everything that just happened and just proves in my mind what a better storyteller he is. Because I was like, oh, shit, you set me up for a joke not even five seconds ago that I already forgot because you're so brilliant. And you brought me back all with that. Oh, I loved it. I thought that that humor, you know, it was much better than drawing on somebody's face or landing on tits, let's say. but. I, I liked that little pop of humor with him because he really is the most naive out of everyone, still trying to figure it out. And he's doing it for his dad. There's a heart there, too. Every character has that moment of, okay, we understand why they're going down this journey. We understand, we understand the growth that they're going to go through by the end of this movie. Speaking of which is, yeah, Cyborg gets, uh, I don't know, maybe a 98, 99% increase in not only screen time of also let's give a fuck about this character from the theatrical cut. You see him playing football. Again, another thing which we were promised in trailers, you see him learning his power, going into his own mind. I think Silas giving him the tape 
and having him figure out his powers that way with the narration was speedy, but it was also like, it'll tie into the very end. It's uh, just good filmmaking again. And it's just brilliant. Kind of going back to what you said in your smoke question of like, Cyborg's a lot cooler than you think. When you think about his powers and you think about Silas saying like, these numbers mean nothing to you. Numbers rule the world and they're your bitch. Like you don't even have to kind of think to make them do what you want to do. It's, it's, it's easy. It's, it's not thinking, you know, like my heart is beating, not because I want it to, but because it has to, that's how you control numbers and you're a fucking baller now. And I know that Ray Fisher was saying that the only scene that was preserved in the theatrical cut that was Zach's is the rooftop scene that we, come to later with Gordon and Batman and Wonder Woman. But all of these scenes are not, they're the original portions of it. They had to reshoot so much of Ray's story, unfortunately. And I don't, I still don't know why, because it's so rich in the Snyder cut. And this is that other part that I was telling you about where they make him out to be like a modern God. He can manipulate the economy, the world. And as Silas says, the hard part is going to be not doing those things is in spite of whatever you might witness, whoever you think might be deemed as deserving of it. You, you can't do what he did with the, the struggling waitress. You can't do that all the time because that's going to also have their own consequences and it's going to destroy this world that to him is now very fragile because he can control so much of it. And really sets the the ask the the amount of power that Cyborg really has. Yeah, he can do anything and everything. I, I everything is built on these numbers. I yeah, crushing the economy. He could rebuild it and crush it again before we even had a chance to understand what was going on. That's a very very good point. He's yeah, he was given just so much more to fucking do. And I love that we are getting that scene. Uh, we got that story of his dad is the overworking dad, doesn't see him, doesn't make time for him. His mom is also very busy, but does make that time to go to the games and have these moments with him. And that's where you get that turnaround of Silas going, I won't allow you to die. I'm not going to let it happen. And uh, unfortunately, we don't get too much time between the two characters because their story is so short as far as Silas isn't able to grow old with Cyborg alongside his son, and we don't get that. But we do get that Silas is is trying to keep together the last part of his family that he has left. Very eloquently stated. And what I liked about this movie as well, it also explains why the mother box went back to sleep after his transformation of that, like because Superman was alive which is something at the theatrical cut i was left like hold on if you woke it up why didn't he come for it then and well superman was still alive and they blatantly say that in this and that just really summed up some for me of like oh okay that's awesome i get that now continue right easily the most improved portion of the film is is cyborg's story definitely from there uh steppenwolf does get the second box at the end of chapter three where he goes down to atlantis and the thing i wanted to talk about mostly with you in atlantis is about the air pockets for speech and in this movie they actually they they were trilling they they kind of spoke like what's what dolphins or some shit what do you think about that yeah and i expected that because i follow zach so much just like everyone else on vero and he had told us before that yeah you have the air pockets but that there's like a dolphin like uh, communication that goes on with the Atlanteans because that's how they had to evolve as they continued underwater. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, so that's what he was talking about. To me, it wasn't a huge surprise, but I'm cur- I don't know how others would have taken it. But I think it's it's a good way of this is how they talk underwater, and if they need to go into further details, that's when they do these 
air pocket things. Whereas in Aquaman, it's 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 like magic, I guess, or it's maybe it's still that type of communication, but it's just shown to us to the audience of okay, this is how they're this is what they're saying to each other. Yeah, rather than us reading subs the whole time, like in an alien movie, eventually the language just takes over or some mm-hmm. shit, and we're just like, all right, you know that they're speaking a different language, but we're going to do it in English because you all speak fucking English. Exactly. <laughs> Last thing I want to touch on with that is fucking Mira. I'm not huge on her in either movie, but, but her ripping like the water out of Steppenwolf's head was fucucking <laughs> I didn't see that coming. that was. Do you, are you an Avatar fan? Uh, the Last Airbender or yes. <laughs> James Cameron's? Yeah, yeah. The, the people were saying that cheap blood bended the shit out of him. <laughs> yeah, either that or like in the follow-up, the Korra, the the guy who was voiced by Henry Rollins. I'm not great with names. He eventually kills the Earth Queen, kind of by sucking all the air out of her. It was it was very similar to that as well. Where I was like, this is gangster like jesus christ like i you don't really think about if you control water what you could do but this movie thought about it and showed it to me and i was like that was that was cool i didn't see that coming that was fucking great it's amazing to see the powers that she does have and how deadly she can be to almost defeat steppenwolf like if she had just stayed on longer (laughs) all the fucking blood from his head would have been gone and that's when he just tosses her and he's like yeah i'm not gonna fuck with this (laughs) let me just kill her now I'm not going to fuck with this. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what he said. Like, no, no, no. I'm, nope. I'm just, I got to get her the fuck out of here. Chapter four, Change Machine. We get the extended fight under the harbor, which is fun. The main thing I wanted to bring up here, that doesn't make sense in either of them. So Steppenwolf catches a rocket, a rocket, yeah, RPG, whatever. And he lets in all the water from the harbor. And all of a sudden Aquaman's there to like save the day. Like, was he just fucking hanging out there before there? Like, what was he just happen to be on the way? That's one of the things on either version where I'm like, well, that's a great coincidence machine there. Right. There was no explanation. He gets his armor from Mara. Mara pretty much gives him a pep talk that that convinces him that he needs to go uh, and and help out these heroes and to stop Steppenwolf. But he doesn't know where any of this is. And as far as I know, there was no thing of, oh, I'm in touch with the mother boxes or I'm in touch with, I don't know. There, we didn't get that. And I think that one cut that I would have liked, and I, I know that Zach was trying to include everything, is when the harbor with the water starts going in, you see that silhouette of Aquaman just hanging out. And then you see him jump or swim over I think if we had cut that part, it would have been more impactful when he actually comes in out of nowhere. But we still would have had that same question, but I think the scene would have hit harder if we didn't get that shot of him. It's small. I'm not going to nitpick with the guy, you know, like we talked about much earlier. It's his vision, but it was something that somebody said. And once they said it, you can't unthink it. So I was I was just wondering what you thought. We got a kind of another cell phone talk, and now Darkseid gets lines, and he's talking to Steppenwolf about the anti-life equation and all that, and just really Darkseid getting to speak was cool. And that's, yeah, the Sod finally sees something that in, in Steppenwolf that's like, all right, so he saw the anti-life equation. He's not messing around. He doesn't need to conquer 50,000 worlds. He needs to talk to Darkseid. And he immediately, you see him, the Sod chanting, this ancient language, which I'm assuming is the same as what we got in the history lesson with the mother boxes and like those five priests or worshipers. And that's when Darkseid is summoned and he himself is like, if this is truly the earth and you that that robbed me of my glory, then I will go there myself, collect the antelife, collect my prize, as he puts it, and you can come back to Apocalypse. And 
Steppenwolf is just over the moon. He's so happy and I'm happy for him, even though I know what it means. But I'm just like, there's hope for him. He's doing good. He's doing good work. Agreed. And it goes back to us just loving what this interpretation of the character is and how good it is. And I wanted to uh, talk back on your symbiote kind of armor thing. And I love when he finally knows Darkseid coming. He kind of lets down the armor all the way down to the quote unquote kill shots. You know, it reminded me of a dog showing its belly like, look, dude, I'm here. I'm down on one knee. I'm showing you every all my cards are on the table. You can crush me in your might. And I'm going to trust you because you are my liege, my God, whatever he calls him. Like, I just I liked that kind of bowing down, really showing him, dude, I am at your mercy. What's up? What do you want me to do? Super submissive. You see the parademons do the same as they bow. So that tells the audience, even if you're not familiar with who Darkseid is, it tells the audience, okay, so this is the big guy. This is the one that they're all afraid of. It was perfect. Yeah, and we go on to see a little bit more of him at the end, but I do believe this is the only time he really speaks in it. And the voice that's given, the actor who portrays him, it's awesome. I'm going to get there. I'm going to I'm gonna fuck shit up to get this back. And we were talking about right off the comics right out of the cartoons right out of my head of everything i think of when i think of this character was then presented to me what do you think of ray porter's portrayal i know you said this it sounded amazing but the fact that they got someone who he is an actor but he also does a lot of book readings audiobooks and voice acting uh, that they got someone like that as opposed to trying to go for star power like they did with uh, the infinity war movies um what was your your thoughts on them getting like a voice actor properly for this character a perfect because the face doesn't matter you know the size doesn't matter because we're gonna have to cg because nobody's as big as what in my head this is so you need to have somebody who not only understands language but knows how to deliver it to make sure that you understand he doesn't like in this movie we see him in a flash forward sequence fucking shit up and it's a maybe but we don't actually see him oh no i guess it's zooxis we see him fuck shit up i don't know but the point i'm trying to get to is when he's not fucking shit up you're still looking at him like jesus christ you're scary like you are powerful you could just absolutely crush me with even maybe the words in which you're speaking <laughs> that's how good i think that he was so to answer your question is it was very smart. I believe if we're going to keep going in this route of taking people and making them look different through machines anyway, like don't get somebody who's going to look the prettiest with the dots on their face or the most recognizable. You don't look for the guy who has a six pack, like get the person who can deliver the line strongly and everything then will come. And this guy did it. Porter knocked it out. Exactly right. I agree. I did not want they. If they had gone with an actor and, and Darkseid looked like an actor, someone's face, I think it would have not made it as timeless, in my opinion. Now, on the other side of that, I want to bring you to the end of this chapter with the Martian Manhunter. We do get a scene where Martha goes and talks to um, Lois. I think we called spoilers so long ago, mm -hmm. but it's not Martha. It's the fucking Martian Manhunter. Now, this might sound mean to the actor whose name I can't think of, and I know he's been on board since Man of Steel, but I didn't enjoy that his voice was the same as the Colonel as it was Martian Manhunter, and it just made me miss Phil Lamar so much, and it, it kind <laughs> of threw me because in my head up to this day when I read him, he is Phil Lamar. He is the guy who did it for the show in which we aforementioned the, the animated that we grew up on. And it just it made me lose more sense of like, wait, so that's his real voice. So when he changes from green into human, he keeps his voice. So Martians still sound like human. Like the whole thing was just kind of 
that did ruin it for me. How, what, what do you think about everything about all that? I didn't have that same conclusion as far as the voicing. I, that's another part that I also, when he transforms into the Martian Manhunter and we had seen this in storyboards. So it wasn't, again, it wasn't a surprise when it happened, but it did not look finished. Like it, it did look like it could use more polish. And I think it's because the contrast wasn't quite there in the far shot of the Martian Manhunter you know, the shadows didn't look as black or as dark, so it didn't look like he was actually there. When you get the close-up of his face, I'm like, okay, this looks cleaner, it looks nicer, it looks like it matches more of the CGI later on. But that was the one thing that, again, took me out of it, where I went, okay, that could have used a little bit more time, but, you know, that's... But we have the Martian Manhunter. He is here, he's been around since Man of Steel, and it does... I'm jumping a little bit ahead as far as the ending, but... The fact that now he makes himself known to, I guess, the audience, I thought was interesting when we had two previous world-ending events already with Doomsday and the Kryptonians from Man of Steel. So I guess he went, okay, enough is enough, three is enough, let's start to get some pieces moving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I Enough was enough. I let them fend for themselves. But obviously shit is in motion here and I can't no longer just kind of watch and help as much as I can from my military aspect of it. But I saw something online where somebody, quote unquote, you know, wrote a little bit of what would be the next movie of him and Superman talking in general, just being like, you knew this whole time. And Superman being like, yeah, of course I did. I'm fucking Superman. But my dad believed in very much of letting people let themselves know who they are to the world when they did. So I didn't say anything. And it was written much more eloquently than I just recapped. But I was like, let's restore this shit, man. I need so much more of these characters interacting in these ways. And again, I have to agree with he could have maybe just an extra few hours or a few more million dollars. I don't know how that shit works. But <laughs> yeah, and I do feel bad because we if uh, anybody's really out there listening, both of us, our Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode came out where you told me about the guy who gets dubbed over in that movie. And that's all I was thinking of. Like, oh, we could do it. Just get Phil Lamar in here. We won't tell him. And it's just only when he's the Manhunter. We'll let him keep his regular voice. But fuck that voice. I wish that that was going to be him. Well, uh, Phil Lamar was John Stewart in the animated series. I don't know the actor that played the Martian Manhunter. Uh, but yeah, Phil Lamar was, was the Green Lantern. Oh, fuck me. I'm going to sound like my goddamn foot is in my mouth so hard now. I know now. what you're saying, though. Exactly. It's the same exact sentiment, though. You want you want the voice from the animated series or, or something similar, something different when he is the Manhunter. And I know they do a little bit of warping on, on Lennox's voice, but and it's uh, – yeah, I'll have to see it again when I watch it where maybe it is almost exactly like he's still talking as the general. So you – if you know him, if you know the general, if he has any friends or family, like as soon as they hear the Martian Manhunter, they'd be like, wait a minute. It's like if I if that was your voice and you were the Martian Manhunter, I'd be like, that's that's Nick. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And thank you very much for calling me out on that. Carl Lumbly, I, I thank you very much for if you're listening or all the fans out there like it's Carl. It's not Phil. It's Carl. It's Carl <laughs> Lumbly. Sorry about that. But yeah, let's get that guy in there because his voice is forever in my head, like as as solidified as Kevin Conroy is the Batman. That guy is. And now I'll never forget his name. Sorry, Carl. <laughs> if he's listening. Yeah, that'd be great. It, it, it was corrected, though. We, he's good. Yeah, <laughs> he was on the phone up to this point. Like, I'm going to get this guy. These motherfuckers. <laughs> Chapter five, all the king's horses. We get the Superman resurrection scene. As I've stated before, it's just bigger and better. There was only a few things in here that I really wanted to touch on. And we get 
cyborg seeing a nightmare scene and i think i talked about in that we saw dark side really fucking shit up we see omega beams he's killing atlanteans he's killing themiscarans is that the word yeah uh, Amazonians. He, he had killed wonder woman and or, or i'm assuming we see her dead body we don't actually know how she dies but i'm guessing she dies at the hands of dark side if they're still going with the original plan that zach had and in a very kind of Greek fashion, she had the the two little coins on her eyes for the ferryman to take her down the river sticks. It was in mm-hmm. this giant pyre. We see her mind there crying like shit was really awesome. And the whole time, Kal-El's ship or Superman's ship was like, don't do it. Hey, hey, I know what that box is. Don't fucking do this. And everybody was like, do it, Barry, do it. And that's the first time we see Barry. And like, it wasn't the theatrical, but the element of him saying, bro, I can't go faster than the speed of light and actually seeing a few seconds coming back in time for him to touch it really pays off at the very, very end. It And I love that we got like that cyborg got to see his own premonition that it wasn't just Bruce. And I kind of expected to see another one when the flash later on does his thing in the movie, that would have been really awesome. But the fact that we got to see, okay, this is what's going to happen in justice league two, or if they don't, if we don't see this happen in justice league two, and it, it picks up right in the nightmare world, we know what happened at least. Arthur gets hit through the chest with his trident. I think that's Volko that gets Omega Beamed. And you see the Omega Beam effect and how it affects people. It doesn't stop. It continues. It just goes right through you. It's amazing. And that's when Cyborg says no and Flash mishears it. And that's when us as the audience are like, okay, we're in that future now. That is where we're heading no matter what. And just to add on to the Omega Beams, like underwater, they also had to add on the sizzle of them oh, boiling so the water. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, it was so good. This is why I wanted to have this conversation. Was that moan right there of like, so good? Like, it was, wasn't it? It was just a little detail that I would have never thought of. But once I saw it, I was like, it would boil the water around it. Yes. That's how strong it is. <laughs> around Darkseid's eyes, too. <laughs> He's got little bubbles. Like, it's, it's so amazing. It really is. But... Like we're talking about, it does go through and we do get the resurrection of Superman. We do get a longer fight scene of him kind of taking on minus the pet cemetery joke, which I was like, thank fucking God, because I really hate that. What a dated joke. And it's not going to I'm very happy that that got taken out. The thing that I wanted to talk about specifically is this is the one time, in my opinion, I got to give it to Joss of something I like that he did better. And that is in his version in the theatrical version. Everybody knows that maybe this won't do well resurrecting this guy and batman keeps talking about oh i've got this big gun don't worry about it and in my opinion what he was trying to do was saying like oh maybe he's got the spear back but at the end of the day it was like no let me bring lois whereas in this version she literally just kind of happens to be there i mean if the justice league was five minutes later if the guy who led barry through the thing was like hold on i gotta run this again she would have been back to doing whatever like that was the big thing that i i, I was like ooh. This is one point in which I would have maybe looked at. What do you think? The fact that he didn't have some kind of contingency plan, I guess that is, yeah, now that I think about it, he probably, he had all his hopes in we're going to resurrect him and deal with the consequences, whatever they may be. And I feel like that's the Batman we got this time, as opposed to the one in the theatrical, like you mentioned, who had, just in case, I've got a plan uh, but it seems like Zack's Batman, as he later says in the film, I'm, for once I'm not thinking logically or with reason. It's all faith. So even this, he has faith in Superman of this is still him. This is still Clark. We can do this. So it it does fit with that character that he's building. 
But if you're thinking of like, well, let's comics, and I know Batman, and he would have had some kind of plan, that is a huge difference between the two versions. And it seems like Wonder Woman is on Batman's side of we need to resurrect them. Same with the Flash. It seems to only be Aquaman and Cyborg that kind of know that things aren't going right. Which was another big difference because in the theatrical, I think Wonder Woman's like, I don't think we should do this. Mm-hmm. And Batman's like, again, he goes back to his percentages of there's even a 1% chance that this works. <laughs> we don't know for ourselves to take it. And again, that's me going, look, I'm, I'm fucking Zack Snyder. I could do it just like him. Have Ben Affleck bring up. That's not in this version because it doesn't right. make sense. You know, everybody is on board for this until the very end, like you said, where somebody's like, is this really what we want to be doing? And most people are like, yeah, do it. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I, I, I'm glad that we got to see the gauntlet in action, the two gauntlets here where he's able to hold back some of Superman's wrath just long enough. But I feel like Batman, either he was like, no, it's still him and that's fine. Or if, if not, I'm going to die here and I'm OK with that, too. We needed to take this risk to take down the big threat right now, which is Steppenwolf, which we're clearly all outmatched with. Good point. And like we were saying, Lois just did just happen to be there, which is fine. And we do get the same result of, you know, in my opinion, I don't want to say it's cliche or it's it's very stereotypical almost of like this thing that could not be beaten down with brute force is beaten down with love or it's reminded of love and then just fucks off with her and it makes much more sense like that rather than leaving the scene on some's definitely bleeding yeah yeah that was awful <laughs> and it also makes much more sense of what happens to the mother box and a mm-hmm. giant motherfucking difference is the sacrifice silas makes of superheating it because we learn earlier everything the mother box like all the heat that it takes it not only takes but it keeps so mm-hmm. he gets it to a point where it's so hot that any of the number of satellites bruce has like they have to find it his sacrifice is it, it makes sense of how they go to fucking russia at the very end it makes sense of how they find it and it's beautiful and he blows up super fast it looks like it hurts and you see cyborg's pain you see what he's going through he is the heart of the film we're hurting alongside ray fisher's performance it's a huge loss for him even though he was upset at his dad and he said you know you created me and i'm a monster and all of this this is where it's like it's still his father. He still loves him. He needs his dad. That was the main thing is he needs his father. And now he's gone forever. It's a huge loss for the team, for Cyborg. And something that he now we have another thing that he gets to grow through and have some closure with by the end of the film. So it sets up so much with the character that we were robbed of before. And even putting that aside, not even comparing it. It just makes that character much richer at this point of the film. And at the end of that chapter, you know, let's go get the son of a bitch. You believe yes. it. At least yes. I just like he really wants to go and get this done. Whereas other it wasn't clear other times of like, why is he hanging out all of a sudden? Whereas in this, you get, OK, I get it. I get it. I get it. Boom. Like, let's go fucking get this son of a bitch. You are right there with Cyborg. You don't like what Steppenwolf or the rest of that army is doing. We're now feeling the losses we saw the losses of the Amazons. We saw the 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 um, Atlanteans die as well, and now we have death at the hands of Silas Stone. So it's much personal, much more personal. It's closer to home. So with the audience, we're there with the team. Let's go get this guy. And right into chapter six, we do something darker. the The team finally gets their plan in action. We know what's going to go on. They're heading to the site and to get it done. And it's a, it's a much better scene. Sorry, you know, I, I started this off saying I'm not going to do this. But I didn't like the Aquaman sitting on the lasso and, like, that was their pep talk. Fucking ridiculous. I like it. Like, yeah, like, I like this so much better of just, like, we have a plan. We mm-hmm. have a plan. And, like, 
there is a bit of silliness in there where it's like rock music's going and Batman's getting ready. Everybody's handing each other weapons and Flash is stretching and the music stops. And there's just that one little beat of like, that's how he gets ready. Isn't that funny? Everybody else is hardcore. And like, that's as much lightheartedness as I personally need. It didn't have to be said out loud. It didn't have to be a joke. It was just like a, and he stretches like, this is good. Let's get this going. Right. And this is Zach's humor. He has these beats in his previous films, more Man of Steel than BVS, but he has humor in there. But it's not like a a commentary on pop culture or, you know, what they whatever they try to do to match what the MCU typically does, which is fine. It works for them and people obviously like it, but it doesn't fit with this universe. He has his own set of light, ways of lighting up the scenes and putting humor in there and it's not subtle but it's there it is definitely there and and it's these moments like you mentioned where it's just more poetically done as opposed to here's a joke make make the character say it all right move on to the next scene it's it's all there still and i think this one probably has the most humor out of the three dc films he's made so far yeah and it's not shoved down your throat like you said it's a beat the beat is there. You either pick it up or you don't, but the story goes. If you didn't pick it up, it does. It's you're not going to not get it. But if you did, you go, yeah. And mm-hmm. the story keeps going. I think, again, just masterfully done. What I want to talk about next is something maybe controversial. I don't know. Hopefully you could change me because you're just so elegantly spoken today. Like everything I've kind of not had an issue with, but you've explained away. You've said, no, no, think about it in this term. And I've been like, fucking A. Why does Superman put on this black suit in this movie, other than the fact that in the comics, when resurrected, he puts on a black suit? The only thing that I've I haven't actually dug into that as far as asking other fans and other viewers as to why we go with that particular suit. I know Zach has said that the black suit is more powerful on Earth than the red and blue. And and we know in Man of Steel, there's a scene in which Jor-El is telling uh, Superman as he's getting his suit that the suit actually helps him with his powers on Earth. The sun helps absorb a lot of that. On Vero, Zach said that the black suit absorbs even more of the sunlight and and makes him even stronger because of that. As to why he makes that choice of this is the one I'm going with, the only explanation I've that I came up with when I was watching these two is that he's still not 100% back. This isn't Clark Kent from Man of Steel with all of his memories and experiences back. Even though Lois says, you really are back. It feels like he's still not quite 100% there. Like he doesn't have all of his memories um, back from the dead. So that's the one thing that I'm thinking of. Okay, he has a different, this is a different Clark resurrected from the dead, doesn't have all of those memories yet. He's going to just pick, he's going to pick a different suit just by the pure thing of chances. You're, if you're a different person, you're not going to make the same decisions. But that's the only thing I have so far that I, I, that I kind of pulled from the film itself. I don't know if you had any different thoughts. I had nothing. Just hearing that Zach did say it somewhere, like you said, being the god of this universe, knowing that he was going with the comic version of Black Suit absorbs Yellow Sun. Yellow Sun makes him powerful. This suit makes him more powerful. I'm fine with that. I didn't understand, like, we didn't put anything in it. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I really ever got hung up on it in this version at all was because he was still wearing it at the end. That's what bothered me the most out of it. And I don't think I would have even got caught up in this. I would have just let my knowledge of the mythology kind of continue knowing, like, oh, we chose it because it's, it absorbs. But at the very end, when we get the last shot of him tearing open the Clark Kent identity, if you will, 
and it was still black and silver. I was like, wait, why the fuck is he like, is this a permanent change now? And I think that's the reason that's really getting me hung up on it. And I think that's another reason why I think this is a very different Clark Kent than what we've gotten up to his death is this is the suit that he's going with. This is the one that he has chosen as opposed to what he went with in Man of Steel. This isn't a Clark Kent that was brought up on Earth and never died. He knows he died. So he's gone through a life-changing experience. And he because of that, he's going to make those different choices. He's not as, I hate to use the word, light, but this is a darker Superman. He went through death. He's not 100% back. We know he's about to get succumb to the anti-life equation. We know he's going to hit that nightmare version where he's killing off these superheroes. And I think these are early hints of that. But that's the only, literally, all of that is in my head. We don't see that in the film itself. That's not broken down for us. That's brilliant, though, either way. So now that that's in my head, yeah, I buy that. That's great. You know, it is foreshadowing something. Unfortunately, we'll, if if we do see it, it's going to take some time. So I mm-hmm. never want to say never, but it will take time until that possibly does come to light. But that is great. Because when he shows up, too, I mean, he is fucking badass. He takes Steppenwolf's axe right to the shoulder and just looks at him like, not impressed. <laughs> that, I got shivers for that. It was a much cooler scene than, you know, we're comparing here than, I'm a fan of Justice, and then punches him. <laughs> like, this was way cooler because you don't expect it. You don't hear dialogue right outside of there. He just shows up, and it's very clear that Steppenwolf is no match for this Kryptonian just beats the utter fuck out of him and really ties up. So for the very end, we talked about earlier when Barry was running in the time thing, he has to do that again. The boxes need to create unity in order to do it. And they do, they actually do become the unity and technically blow up a part of the world. But as the flash enters the speed force, he's able to then run faster than speed of light and force cyborg into the unity to then do his thing. But that shot of all the shit blowing up and him getting prepared to run. And there's this line that, it makes me well up a little bit as he's kind of going. He says, you know, dad, your kid was one of them, dad, one of the best. And then he starts fucking running. And that mm. shit is damn again, Zach, God damn you for your brilliance and beauty of taking these characters who I love just so much. And for so long and bringing them to this place where like, dude, the flash would say that that is fucking beautiful, man. Do you think he thought that maybe he would die from trying to reach the speed. Like he was like, I might, I'm probably going to die from doing this because I shouldn't be doing this. And that was like his way of having a closure of, of this current life that he's living. Hell yeah. Either that, or, you know, he knew that maybe his chances were slim and if he didn't get to him, the world was blown up. So mm-hmm. it, yeah, it was definitely, That's there true. was definitely death in his future or a part of it. So if it was going to be that part that ended up being the actual timeline compared to him saving it, which we see, I definitely agree with you in the fact of him just like, that was him. I'm prepared. I was literally one of the best and I'm trying my best. And Cyborg gets the same kind of thing. So like we say, he then gives him the charge. Barry gives Cyborg the charge mm-hmm. to get into the mother box with his head. And that scene is another one just back to back with them breaking my heart and just showing me different pieces of myself in it. And that's what a great movie does. I'm sorry to spoil anybody, but when he gets in, he sees Cyborg. He sees himself quote unquote perfect, not the machine or the monster he thinks he was. He's reunited with his mom and dad. But really, that was the facade of the three boxes showing him what he thought he wanted. And he, they try to, I don't know if maybe that's also a part of the anti-life, trying to seduce the character. Maybe this is what happens with Superman later on. But I'm, I get, 
I get that the mother boxes are trying to corrupt you in that way, or the anti-life is trying to corrupt you in that way. And Cyborg had enough heart in him, whereas later on we know that Superman loses Lois, and that's enough to for him to succumb to the anti-life equation. But with Cyborg, he has enough self-worth at this point from what he's doing, from fighting with his new allies of, I'm not broken. I'm that's not what my mother would call me almost it feels like he's saying he's not accepting anymore that he is broken he is different he is who he is today and like you said that was such an incredible fucking line in it it does give you chills of and there's so many moments of that but this one is so important because Zach had taken so much care and setting up this character that this was I think to me the payoff to the character this was his growth you you said it I'm not broken. Oh, I still think of that, you know, and it still can well me up now because who doesn't have that in their life? Mm -hmm. There was a time to take the easy route and get what you want or no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not broken. I don't need to do that. I'm going to stick to my path and I'm not. Yeah, I'm not broken. Fuck makes me makes me humble a little bit now. But in that moment of clarity, he separates the boxes. Superman helps. I love that, too. Superman. Yeah, he comes over, (laughs) get it all together. Oh, my God. It's so good. He stops beating Steppenwolf's ass for a moment. That's another thing that I wanted to touch on real quick is another thing that that's a different Superman than what we've seen in BVS or Man of Steel. Like he just continues to beat on Steppenwolf, even though Steppenwolf is clearly defeated and he's still punching him over and over again. And that, again, tells me this is not the same Clark Kent. He's still not quite right. I lasered his little horn off or yeah, whatever. That was. I was like, leave him alone. He learned this lesson, too. <laughs> Yeah, I that was something not surprised me. But when they went there, I was like, oh, this is where we are. Okay, he's fucking just what's the word maiming people mm-hmm. like, all right, cool, cool. It's not the last time he gets maimed, though, because in all of this happening, we do get a portal open. So Granny Goodness, Desaad and Darkseid are looking at this and Aquaman just stabs this motherfucker in the back. Superman punches him in the face and then Wonder Woman decapitates him, leaving his lifeless, decapitated body right at the feet of Darkseid. And like, that's how you end a fucking movie. Not. Yeah. Are you a fan of the movie? Sorry to switch gears so quickly. It's called Rise of the Guardians. It's with Jack Frost and Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny and shit. It's uh, CGI. I've seen parts of it. Uh, Leo was watching it and I was kind of half paying attention, but it didn't really capture me. Does it end in a similar way? Sir, beat for beat. The big bad in that movie is uh, the boogeyman himself, who, again, loves fear. And he's got these uh, nightmares because they're horses, which I thought was very (laughs) Jesus. I thought it was clever. And these nightmares eventually go like, hey. You know, it's, it's, I swear to fucking God, it's almost the same exact lines of like, they're not here for my fear. They're here for yours. And they take them down into the hole. And it is almost beat for beat the same exact one. So after knowing that knowledge and seeing the theatrical cut, I was like, meh. And now seeing this cut of just like, Jesus Christ, like the head stomps off, the portal closes. You see them kind of go back onto like, all right, we've got to do something now. Like that's how you fucking end a movie. And Desaad being like, I told you he would fail. And I'm like, fuck you, Desaad. You were rooting against him. What a prick. <laughs> he does fucking <laughs> movie. And, and Darkseid being like, all right, ready the Armada. We'll, do, we'll use the old ways. And I'm like, what are the old ways? What are the new ways? What's happening? Like, Zach is clearly going, oh, you want to see more, right? We'll get ready because this isn't the only cliffhanger. He sets up so much. And Darkseid's being... All right, we're, we're going to use the old methods and get down there ourselves and probably conquer as we used to as he was when he, when he was Zeus's. 
and probably not send out an army that he's not personally overseeing. He himself is going to go to Earth and collect his prize. Brilliant. And that's how we'll end here with the epilogue. I wrote down four beats, but they kind of all speak for themselves. We talked about earlier that Silas taught Cyborg how to be Cyborg, if you will, through a tape, the tape that he crushes. And at the very end, magically, magically, he gets it back. And Silas kind of says, I'm going to be your father again. And this is what I think from my heart. And that's what wraps up the quote unquote main story of the movie. From there, we go to the Justice League or the theatrical cuts and credit scene of Lex Luthor not really being in Arkham. He's going to go talk to Deathstroke. And then we get the nightmare scene two, which is kind of how I want to end with you just saying, I think we see the old way of the survivors of Earth trying to get shit ready because Superman is now bad. Darkseid has taken him under his wing. It seems like Lois Lane has gotten fried like mm-hmm. shit has really gone sideways. And I feel like he was very deliberate in this is all additional photography, as you mentioned, where it ended and the Superman flying off in Metropolis that was probably the theatrical cut of even his 214 minute version. But all of this being extra content that Warner brothers did not want him to film is more teases to justice league two. And the character, Joe Manganiello, Amber Heard, you have Ray Fisher as remote. These are all characters and actors that I feel Zach talked to ahead of time and went, look, this is the additional photography. If we make justice league two and three, are you willing to return? I I think if any of them had said no, they probably would have switched to a different character because I know in the original timeline, it was going to be Deadshot instead of Deathstroke. And maybe they couldn't get Will Smith to commit to Justice League 2 and 3. So that's why they went with Deathstroke. I'm not too sure, but I think it was very deliberate on these actors being chosen and these characters because when when and if we get Justice League 2, we're going to get the same actors and it won't be recasts. And it's really just brilliant as well i can't yeah i'm I'm actually out of loss of a words because your thought pattern is just so smart that it blew my mind of yeah that does make the most sense that he's like we're gonna tease the shit out of this i know who my fans are now and i know that they're gonna get it come back yeah let's get ourselves nice and settled now and we'll see you all at number two because it was great it was awesome to see them all get ready to start to fight It, it was brilliant the one person that we didn't talk about is leto Mm-hmm. And performance was also really just fucking great. And that's the scene that Zach said. We were robbed of Ben Affleck and Leto ever having a face-to-face interaction. They almost did in Suicide Squad when they're in the car chase scene, but we don't see them talking to one another. And that's when Zach was like, I felt like it would be a crime if we never got that interaction. So he made it happen. And people have since said, this is the most Batman Joker scene we've ever seen on the big screen, like between the two characters, like it's straight for beat for beat, how they, their people's mental version of Batman and Joker. This is exactly how they imagine them behaving and having this kind of interaction. They still need each other. But at the same time, he also teases what happened in the Batfleck movie, what they wanted to do with Dick Grayson and, and the Joker and tell that story. And that's what they were also setting up with the Lex Luthor Deathstroke scene. If you want to know who he is, this is who that is. That led into the Batfleck film. But since that wasn't happening, that's when they changed it to a league of our own or whatever. And and Zach, I still think, is going, even if we're not going to get the Batfleck movie, he's going, okay, well, this is still the intended cut. This is the intended version. Whether or not we get it doesn't matter because we might not get any future. But I still want to retain that original vision. And I think that's what we got. And we got to see it. And I think we're very lucky that and it's amazing that we're in this that we can talk about it and we can see it even if we don't end up getting projects we know where it was going 
Yeah, it's been a long time coming, and I've got to say, at the very end of everything, was it worth it? Fuck, yes, it was worth it. You know, I think a little bit ago when it wasn't going to get released everywhere, somebody said, hey, we've waited this long. Let's wait until all the fans who really fought for it can all sit down and watch it together. And I kind of went, fuck you guys. I don't want to wait anymore. <laughs> now knowing how great it was, it was worth the wait. So if there any, if there is anybody out there still waiting, I apologize because it was fucking amazing. But I'm telling you, it was worth it. And I, in retrospect, if I had to go back and vote on whether to wait or not, I would because it would be worth even more time waiting. It is four hours and two minutes of great. It, it, it's great. The final scene, which was also additional photography of Bruce talking to the Martian Manhunter. I don't know if you you saw the original plans for that, but it was originally going to be Kilowog and Tomar Ray setting up the Green Lantern Corps and then them coming to Earth and knowing that there's a bigger threat coming. Maybe they know that dark side is coming. Maybe they've sensed it somewhere in the universe. We don't know what that dialogue is yet or what it would have been. But then Zach filmed uh, John Stewart, Green Lantern in last year. We, that he, he filmed that in his backyard. He revealed that earlier this week on Vero. He put up green sheets and they green screened it all. And then Warner brothers said, you can't use John Stewart because we have plans for that character. We're not going to let you. And that's when Zach said, well, then I'm going to just quit. But instead, he said, you know what? We've gotten this far. Fine. And he switched it to Martian Manhunter. Uh, how do you feel about that? That we were, that somewhere out there, there exists an alternate scene of this where it's Jon Stewart instead of the Martian Manhunter. I kind of agree with Zach to a point of like, we came this far. I'm happy that it didn't come to an ultimatum of like, Green Lantern Corps fucking quit. But that would have been cool. Fuck. Yeah. You know, as you were saying, <laughs> it, my mouth unhinged a little bit i did have no control over my motor skills and i sat here mouth agape going like holy shit that would have been cool if it was kilowog and tomaray like hey you're gonna see us a little bit more yeah that would have been cool that was like my other disappointment first watching this is zach kept hinting at green lanterns they showed him the history lesson green lantern and they said was this your green lantern he said yes but it's not my green lantern so we were speculating a lot on so is that version not in the history? Like there was a whole lot of theories and all kinds of stuff. But now we know that he meant Jon Stewart. And and I had that expectation of we're going to see a gr more Green Lanterns. We're going to see maybe him show up in the ending fight against Steppenwolf. I don't know. And we didn't get that. And I was a little disappointed. But that's that's because I had that expectation from Zach's. Uh, hinting in the film and we did get to, to see that dead kilowog in the nightmare scene but to me that didn't count i was like no that couldn't have been what he meant but now that i know what happened i can kind of forgive it and let it go same i agree only because i really truly now believe that it's not over that there will be more to come from dc and snyder in the future uh hopefully more of this story completely but if not if he just if they said listen it's just it, it got too muddy we just want you to start something new again like no matter what he does i'm gonna always kind of be on board and at the same time too with warner brothers and these characters i'm always gonna be on board but this union these four hours it, it was great i really do believe if somebody just got all the way off his fucking back and let him mm -hmm. do everything he wanted from beginning to end everyone would be happy the fans the bank holders or the shareholders i mean like the studio he would be happy it's, it, again everything that we're talking about of what could have been for not only this cut but any future cut just always seems to be more and more gold of 
why are we holding this guy's hands behind is like, why are we tying his hands behind his back and asking him to swim? Like, what are we doing? And that's one of the frustrating things about it is Warner Brothers simply did not know how to like, I truly now believe this. And back then I was like, no, they're, they're fine that we're getting more movies and all that. But now it's like, no, they really are incompetent. They don't know how to handle these movies or these characters because they second guess everything. They constantly try to correct the ship based on what bloggers and reviewers are saying instead of looking at the box office returns and going eight hundred fucking million dollars for BVS, even though it got panned. Like, let's keep going. And instead they panicked and they paid for it, unfortunately. But even they, they still haven't learned their lesson. People are saying Warner Brothers just needs their own Kevin Feige. And it's like they've had him for fucking years. His name is Zack Snyder. They wouldn't let him do his thing. And they still won't let him do his thing. They're saying it's his trilogy and that it's over. It's, they don't want to see his universe at all. And it's only AT&T that's going, there's money to be made here. Let's let him do what he wants. Let's, he wants additional photography, sure. Whatever, However he wants to spend his $70 million, that's fine. But he has six months to do it. And from what I hear, there's a bidding war between Netflix and HBO Max to get Zack Snyder exclusively on that platform. And I think with the success of the Snyder Cut, HBO Max and his price just went up. <laughs> you know, he's going, look what I did for HBO Max. What are you going to offer Netflix? And Netflix has a shit ton of money. They're going, okay, we'll match that. And now he's probably going back to HBO. Like, do you really want to continue this universe? If so, this is my price. His agent is probably doing his work for him. I know he famously said he did not take any payment for any part of the Snyder Cut. And that's so that he wasn't beholden to anything and he can just do what he wanted. And he had all that leeway or, or more leeway than normal. But now he's getting those returns in these contracts because even though Warner Brothers can't see it, AT&T, HBO Max and Netflix, they know how valuable Zach is. You can't buy the press that has come around this movie. You can't go on the Internet. You can't do anything without hearing Snyder and Snyder cut. So even though he did not receive money, he received a shit ton of equity of going, look what I could do if you just let me fucking do it. So if I had to guess, I'm not a betting man, but I would bet that that satisfaction is worth more than the directing fee of him just knowing I am secure. Like he's mm -hmm. not going to go hungry for a job ever. Not, I don't want to say ever again, but not in the near future. He's, he's hot as shit right now. He's, he's the man. And it's a big decision for him to make right now because I believe is in his late fifties. And so whatever contract he ends up going with, I think that's going to be it because that's a multi-year contract probably 10 to 20 years. And I don't know if he'll just continue to do filmmaking for the rest of his life, but this next project, whichever one he signs up for is probably going to be his last like major project as far as like possible universe building. Now, I, I think after that he'll do single movies and that's fine. We'll all be there to watch him. But whoever gets that contract, it's either going to be, I'm assuming army of the, of the dead verse <laughs> or the Snyder verse restored. Well, here is hoping that he chooses the Snyderverse restored because I can, I can, why, if it was a six hour movie, I would have watched it. I thought it was brilliant. I can't not only pump him up, but pump up the motion, pump up all the people who have hashtagged and made Twitter accounts and made these accounts and just kept going and pushing and making sure that, in my opinion, justice was served. You know, it's not even a play on words for the fucking Justice League. Like, dude got hired to do something and you didn't let him do it. Like at the very least, let him fucking finish. And that's mm -hmm. what we got. That's what he did. And he did it better than, better than I even expected. Exactly. Right. And, and we're fortunate too, that all of the shit that he went through, 
during the filming of that and how he had been treated and is still being treated by Warner Brothers that he's still enough of a fan of these characters to go, I'm willing to come back for a sequel. I don't think it'll happen. I don't think they want me there, but I'm willing to. He still has it in him. to. He's not defeated inside. He still has it in him to go, I'm willing to put, bring these characters to life and put them out there because not just for the fans out there, but for myself, because I'm a fan of these characters. And I think that's amazing that we're there because I know I, I don't know. I don't think I would have been strong enough to continue and go, OK, well, let me come back and finish this for them. I think at most I would have been like, fine, I'll come back and finish this, but no more because <laughs> I'm done. But Zach is clearly a, a bigger artist. He's an artist at heart for sure. Yes, because he could have very easily dropped the petty bomb of just like, look what I did. Fuck you guys. I'll go make somebody. But like you said, no, no, no. He's a bigger artist than that. And he loves he quote unquote, he loves these toys to play with. Mm. So I don't see why they don't just give him more of that for sure. Yeah, I think we'll just have to Manu on his podcast. He's a member of the Film Exiles and part of the uh, RT Snyder Cut account. He was joking like at this point to restore the Snyderverse, us as a fandom, we need to just under one account buy a shit ton of AT&T stock just to have majority holdings to go, okay, this is what we're doing. <laughs> like it's gotten that ridiculous. Hey, I'd put money into it. That's fucking Hell funny. Yeah. Make it happen. <laughs> we're going to do some, we're, we'll figure something out. This has been a great fun episode and I don't want to end on a downer per se, but we have touched on it a little bit. And the last thing I kind of want to say is a, this episode two is for autumn. Uh, and we've talked about it on the show before and I'm still open for it all the time. If you got to talk to your friends, you don't always know everything that's going on inside personal and mental health is something in which you got to check in with all your friends. This movie was delayed and kind of run off a little bit of tracks because of his own personal tragedy at home. I would just like to also dedicate this for autumn. Anybody else who's suffering or has been through or going through anything like that. You don't have to be alone. You can hit me up. Buds, superheroes at gmail.com. And we could talk. Uh, it's sad that, you know, when the, when the movie was so beautiful and it ended with for autumn, it also it brought me crashing back down of just like, God damn, like, you know, it doesn't, it's even with the justice league, personal tragedy still hits. Exactly right. And, and Zach, I'm, I'm guessing he took a lot of that grief and were, and you and converted that into what he needed to get this done. And, and that dedication is beautiful. Uh, if you watch the movie again with mental health in mind, with AFSP in mind and what Autumn went, went through and everything, you can kind of see that these characters are also going through some very dark mental moments and, and, and they show you how each one perseveres, that there is hope that you you're not alone these heroes all of this like yes they're stories but they're we resonate with them because they're they're all within us and i think it's a beautiful uh, dedication not just the film but that that you that this film that this episode you also dedicated to us to autumn so that's great nick uh, it's it's awesome it's beautiful i can't I, like i said at the beginning and now especially at the very end as you sat with me for so long i couldn't have thought to do this with anybody else i can't thank you enough for coming on keeping the show going and keeping keeping everything with this this is this was one of my favorite most fun i've ever had thank you thank you so much man for coming and doing this with me you're welcome man and thank you as well for helping keeping uh, my hobby going as well and jumping on and playing on the other side and looking forward to more as we continue going forward not just in 
the world of geekdom that we both absolutely adore. But as we continue down this path of life and see what other uh, stories we can carve out of uh, where we go on these podcasts and, and what, where we go through life as well. So thank you again, Nick. God damn, you're good with words. I'm not even going to say anything <laughs> out. Bro, I swear to God. Literally, that's how we're going to end the show, guys. Nick has nothing more to say. That was just too goddamn beautiful. I've been Nick James. Daniel. This has been Buds, Bros, and Superheroes, and we are out of here. Thank you.